Nine Lives, the debut album from Catalyst, grips with infinite possibility and reflects the contemporary Los Angeles jazz scene. Catalyst is more than a nine-piece band. It's a collective of producers, composers, musicians, and writers who represent a who's who of the Los Angeles jazz community. You can listen to the album on all of the major music platforms or purchase a copy through bandcamp.com. Catalyst with a K, and the album is Nine Lives. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Biosciences is not a typical contract manufacturing organization. The company uses plants to grow recombinant proteins for biologic therapies. To produce a consistent and predictable product, Zia uses a data-intensive approach and grows plants in clean rooms. The end result is a highly scalable platform that's cost-efficient. We spoke to Jim Wilson, CEO of Zia Biosciences, about the company's approach to producing biologics in plants, why it's a data-intensive process, and the advantages it provides over traditional biomanufacturing. Jim, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Dan. We're going to talk about Zia Biosciences, its efforts to use plants to produce biologics and, and nutraceuticals, and the steps it's taken to turn this into a predictable and reliable manufacturing process. Maybe you can begin with making the case for using plants to produce biologics. Sure. Um, well, plants have been around for over 5,000 years uh, in medicinal purposes over in Asia and in India. Um, plants actually have been part of our human population since the beginning of time and they actually have been proven many many times over and there's much research about it uh, to uh, deliver the uh, address the issues of disease uh, and have the ability to um, help our human population in a much better way than our synthetic counterparts do. You grow these plants in a clean room. I imagine people, you know, envision fields upon fields of of plants, but why use a clean room? Right, right. Well, it goes back to I, th I think what we want to start with is um, the it's it, it's not just that we grow in a clean room. It's a technology platform, and the clean room is only one part of that. Um, the specific purpose to answer your question about the clean room is when you grow plants in a pathogenically free environment, um, you have the ability to turn those into plant-based medicinal drugs 
Whereas plants that are grown, say, in a greenhouse or in a warehouse or in the open land, uh, run the risk of pathogenically uh, have pathogens with them that probably would not be able to be filtered out. And it runs a risk to the general public. That's why we grow inside a clean room. You mentioned the technology platform. You, you've built a, a platform that's rather data intensive. What's the range of data you collect and, and how do you use this to produce plants that produce biologics? Well, so let's back up a minute and talk about the platform. There's two parts of the platform and I'll answer that question in, in, in the second part. The first part is the physical part. The plants are grown inside an ISO 7 clean room. The second part is the data science side where we hook up over 30 parameters, 30 sensors uh, inside that room that collect everything. Some of them are normal uh, that you would think of, which would be um, pH, temperature, humidity, but some you may not understand, uh, would never think about. Uh, the amount of parts per million of CO2 across the plant, the airflow across the plant, the um, megahertz of electricity going through uh, the hydroponic water. And so we take all that data and we collect it on average every uh, 15 seconds to one minute. So we have millions and millions upon uh, uh, data points to work with. And what do those data points allow you to do? We actually can generate a formula because our our uh, whole reason for being at Zia is to optimize plant growth. So we are creating a formula that our customer comes to us and says, I would like you to grow this plant and I would like you to optimize or express this certain enzyme, protein, some sort of substance in the plant itself such that uh, it actually is expressed in a way that can be used in some sort of downstream pharmaceutical drug. Now, that being said, um, that being said, what we would do then is we have to figure out, so to speak, a recipe. And all that data allows us to optimize the plant, to optimize that certain protein or substance in the plant such that it would be then, um, it would allow us to go downstream and give the best value for our customer. And how consistent is the output? Well, that's that. That's what's uh, amazing about our platform is so in any type of pharmaceutical product, you are focused on two major things as an ingredient supplier to the pharmaceutical companies. Minimal variation, that is, you must have very little variation batch to batch and you must have maximum reproducibility. That is that I am delivering 96% of what I say every time I'm producing a batch of the equipment. And because of that, um, you can't do that in plants. What was really interesting is that 
up to now, um, if you grew plants in a greenhouse, in open farm fields, even in an indoor farm, plant number one is not the same as plant number one million. And the reason for that is there are nuances in the environment. There are nuances in the um, nutrient solution. There are nuances in how the plant grows and how it, it receives even the lighting. And so what we've been able to do, if you can imagine, is we've been able to censor all that and adjust the environment so that plant number one may need a little more nitrogen or may need a little bit more light than plant number 500. But in the end, we can come out with a product that plant number one and plant number one million are the same, which is what the FDA and what our customers are looking for. In minimal variation, we set a benchmark of that the, we'll just take an example of chloroplasts. Uh, the chlorophyll density in a plant is one of the most important uh, aspects. And um, we set a benchmark of 20%. In the open uh, greenhouse or in the open farms, you're looking at 40% plus. Meaning that if I have a plant at one end of a, a crop field and a, a plant at the other end of the crop field, I might have a 40% differentiation in the chlorophyll of the plant. In our platform, that minimal variation is averaging 7.2%. We are down to the level as if we were a pharmaceutical grade manufacturing ingredient, or ingredient manufacturer. I know you've worked with a wide variety of plants, but how do you select the right one for a specific end product? Yeah, we don't really do the selection. Uh, we have grown over 326 different types of species of plants uh, for our own research to create some, as you would say, uh, a library of recipes. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, our customer will come to us and essentially that customer will say, I'm interested in this plant and I am interested in this specific ingredient in the plant. Um, for example, we have a customer that's interested in a certain protein that's exhibited in, that's expressed in the plant itself. We then would go ahead and start uh, growing that plant inside our platform and looking at the data to start creating a recipe to optimize that we can get the maximum amount of protein out of that plant. Other people have, have used plants to produce biologics through recombinant science. Are You're not doing that here. You're just using plants to produce naturally occurring proteins in them? We can do both. The platform is agnostic to what it's growing. Um, the one thing about what you just said is those type of companies, and I'm familiar with some of the companies that you, you talk about, have a huge downstream processing uh, cost associated with that. So if you're growing the plant and your downstream processing costs are the same as traditional biologics, you're no better off growing the plant than you are going through traditional biologic manufacturing. In our case, we can sit there and say to our customer, 
if you grow inside our platform, you will see some major differences. Number one, that your downstream processing costs will be less because you won't have to filter the product as much. You won't have to uh, decontaminate as much because you're growing in a pathogen-free environment. You know, the, the, the interesting thing with our platform, and the data has shown this now because we've had a number of customers through it, Right now, on average, we are one-tenth the cost of traditional biologics. We're one-tenth the um, infrastructure cost of traditional biologics. And as for the time it takes going through the FDA pipeline, it looks like when we forecast it, it's going to be about one-fifth the time due to the acceleration of botanical plants versus traditional biologics. Well, walk me through the process of producing a biologic in a plant. What where do you start and where do you Sure. End? So let's so let's look at this. Let's look at this in three steps. So there is the scientist at the R&D bench that discovers a unique uh, protein, enzyme, peptide, something that is unique to that plant or could be transgenic. He could have genetically modified the plant to create this uh, ingredient. And at that point, that's the R&D bench stage. At that point, the, the ingredient would move over to a, what we call first time manufacturing stage or the preliminary manufacturing. Can we take it off the R&D bench and put it into a facility and grow it? Once that's proven, you want to move it on to full-scale production. What Zia has done is they have created this path to predictability that, that if I go to a university or I go to the Salk Institute or I go somewhere, I can sit there and say to them, you are going to create an ingredient in a plant. I'm going to put it into my platform. And when I create that recipe in that in my platform it will be the same ingredient whether you do it once twice a million times or a billion batches it will be the same and it doesn't matter whether or not i do it in the r&d bench stage the first time facility stage or the million square foot stage that path to predictability gives us that extreme competitive advantage in plant cell biologics. And what do you do to extract the desired protein from, from the plant at the end? Yeah, the, the, we actually do not do that step. There are a number of companies that handle the downstream processing. I want I make it very clear what Zia does is they are we are the leading experts in plant optimization. So we will take a seed, whether it is genetically modified or not, we will germinate it, we will grow it, we will optimize it for whatever ex expression of whatever ingredient that our customer wants. We'll harvest it and then we package it up and then we can that post-harvest production, it's sent off somewhere else for extraction of that ingredient. So our focus is on the seed to post-harvest production. 
that was the missing piece. That's the critical piece of going back to your last question, why plant biologics up to this point weren't as prevalent as traditional biologic manufacturing platforms. You had thrown out some rather compelling numbers comparing traditional manufacturing to using plants in this way. I'm wondering two things that you didn't mention, but I'm wondering if you could address what is the physical footprint you need to do this relative to traditional manufacturing facilities and, and how scalable is this process? So, so let's, uh, let, let's address the, the, the first question. The physical footprint is, is kind of amazing. You're growing right now, we are growing 800 square, in an 800 square foot ISO 7 clean room. That ISO 7 clean room uh, can grow 16,182 heads of lettuce every 15 days. Um, that's an enormous amount of biomass um, because we stack vertically inside the room itself. Um, so the physical footprint uh, would be approximately half of what you would see in traditional biologics manufacturing. Um, that's an average. There's plus and minus depending on the plant that you're using. Um, but the key issue though, is the cost of that building that physical footprint would be about one tenth the cost of traditional biologics manufacturing. That's the first thing. As for the scalability, I want you to think of it this way. Imagine that we're growing inside a shoebox. And that shoebox, we figured out the perfect recipe to grow plant X to express ingredient Y for customer Z. If customer Z wants more of ingredient Y, all we have to do is add more shoeboxes. It's a linear modular scale. So unlike traditional biologic manufacturing, where I spend two to three billion dollars, and in fact, there was one plant is being built in, uh, I believe, in Europe for about two point six billion. Once it that's built, if they're going to go back again, they will. Uh, they'll have to add so much more onto it. We're building in these eight hundred square foot boxes, so to speak, that are essentially can be added on. The second thing these boxes do, which is interesting, is the platform is agnostic to the plant biologic you're growing. So I could be grow, have 100 rooms and grow Tulsi basil, and a year later realize that we can't grow Tulsi basil anymore, the market dried up, whatever happened. But more importantly, I can now grow uh, a genetically modified lettuce, or I can grow uh, wormwood or any other type of plant because the platform is agnostic to the plant inside of it. Are there any special regulatory issues you face? How does the FDA look at you? Are you regulated like a manufacturing facility or do they just look at the end product? Yeah, good question. Uh, so it, 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 it would if you were just going to take a plant biologic and then create all that downstream processing, 
the FDA would look at the end product. But we're in a new phase now. To get that one-tenth the cost and one-tenth the production cost, that you need to eliminate that downstream processing, which means the protein or the active has to be centered in the plant itself. So the FDA now has looked at us, and we actually are in the process of becoming FDA compliant as a uh, CGMP uh, manufacturer um, right now. And we expect that in the next couple of months. Uh, That's important. As for the regulatory framework, Uh, The good news is in the European Union, the EMA has already set up a regulatory framework for plant biologics. That's been set in place. The FDA isn't there yet, but the European Union already is. And the good news about that is that the FDA is really starting to accelerate. Now, you can thank the cannabis industry for that. You can thank a lot of the nutraceutical industry for getting pushed forward into regulation uh for better or for worse but now this is kind of have has come to the top of the list for the fda to create some sort of regulatory framework and zia is actually the first one at the table i can say uh down in maryland and are we have folks there that are talking to them i would say on a monthly basis of giving them advice on here's where this regulation should be here's where that regulation should be What's the business model? Do you see yourselves ultimately as a contract manufacturing organization? Do you seek partnerships? Do you plan to produce your own products? Yeah, so we don't want to produce our own products. You know, again, we are the experts in plant optimization, and the platform itself could be licensed out to anybody. But here's where where do I see ourselves? And it, it comes down to this. Biologic drugs are only 2% of the drugs used in the world today, and yet they account for 37% of the net drug spending in the world, okay? And why is that? Because biologic drugs are expensive, and yet they're very useful. Biologic drugs not only stop diseases in their trucks, because seven of the eight largest blockbuster drugs are biologics, but more importantly, they can reverse diseases. So where I see Zia happening is if, if Biologics right now is a going into a $400 billion a year industry, I see plant biologics not taking away from that, but adding another $100 billion a year onto that $400 billion because there are lots and lots of diseases out there that are too expensive for the rest of the world to purchase. But if there was a low cost plant biologics alternative, it would be revolutionary. And that's where I see ourselves, that we would partner with these collaborators. We're already partnered with eight universities. We already have uh, two research institutions uh, uh, that work with us. They are developing ingredients and proteins and um, peptides that are going into the market in multi-billion dollar markets to solve many diseases. And we're not just talking in the United States, we're talking worldwide. And so we see Zia as the platform and saying, folks, if you have a plant biologic, 
come to Zia. Zia will optimize and and allow you to scale your idea, that ingredient, to get it to commercialization. Because on our other end of our customers are big pharma customers. And what they're going to be looking for is they're going to be looking for somebody like us to, they just want the end ingredient. They want it standardized. They want it to make sure it's FDA approved. They want all those things. So what do we see ourselves in the end? Not so much a contract manufacturer, but essentially a, a platform where we actually can collaborate with R&D bench guys and be able to sell an end product to a um, our customer who would be the big pharma manufacturer. Jim Wilson, CEO and founder of Zia Biosciences. Jim, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time, Dan. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.